Great to see you, wide world of internet. Happy Father's Day to God, and happy Father's Day to everybody else who's bearing his image in that particular facet of reflection. We're going to be in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 12 today. And again, just seems appropriate taking a little bit of a break from the Fruit of the Spirit series and going to be having a message called Operation Adoption. It did come up there. Wonderful. Thanks, everybody. You guys are the best. Our sound team, our tech team, has probably been some of the people who've had to grow the most over the last year, and I'm really proud of them. They look awesome together. So I want to look at the world and look at the kingdom of God and look at the mission of the church through the lens of God's mission for adoption today. That's my big picture. And if you're to remember that we are all the recipients of adoption. If you're a Christian, you've been adopted. And that God's mission is to adopt. He can provide of, it looks like, billions of people so that he can provide them with the most exciting family home experience for all eternity where a father gets to enjoy the existence and growth of billions of adopted children forever and ever. Amen. That is our reality, our real, real. So I'm going to read Romans part of chapter 8, starting in verse 12 through to verse 17. And then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to talk about God the Father. So then, brothers, we are debtors, but not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. Selah. Think about that. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness that with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Will you please pray with me? Father, again, I come before this topic and your word, and I feel so small, like I've been asked to carry the ocean in my little thimble here. And so, God, would you give grace today? Help me do a little bit of work to tell the truth of who you are and what you're doing. And more important than what I do, Would you do heavy lifting in the hearts of everybody who hears this? Would you transform and renovate and make connections and help us to get this in a way that produces eternal life in our experience in this fallen world as well as produces that river of living water that causes other people to drink from the grace of God as well as get us through into that glorified state where we're living with with you forever. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I ask this. Father, would you consider afresh how Jesus is worth everything? 
And would you do everything necessary to make him seen and known? And you see him. And all God's people said, Amen. So the reality is, in this world, no matter what else is going on, is that the creator of the universe is adopting human beings to be his children forever. This is what he's doing. And it is our joy, and it is our honor, and it is our warfare, and our privilege, and our toil to participate with God, to be his adoption agent uh, workers as he collects the children that don't know him and have currently a different spiritual father as he collects them throughout the world so that he can bring them home to live with him. Right now, church, as kind of like a foster home, this is kind of like a short-term home that we get to have, these local churches where we get to call home for a while. But when we die or when Christ returns, we get to get this permanent placement with God where we dwell with him forever. And we know that this is it. And we are never going to be taken away. And we're never going to have to move. We're going to live with God in the new heavens and the new earth together. And so this is what Paul is talking about in this passage at the end. In verse 17, he says, And if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. And what is an heir? Heir is somebody that you know, when mom and dad die or whenever who, you know, somebody dies, it, every, every novel that was written in the 17 and 1800s always had some rich aunt or uncle dying and then the hero ending up being the person who inherits their kingdom. You know, they had a lot of hope in being heirs back then. You know, I was poor and a housemaid and a Charlotte Bronte thing and then somebody died and it turned out I was their relative and now I own a castle. That was like every single, every single storyline back then. Because they were having a lot of hope in being an heir that at some point someone was going to die and then all of a sudden I was going to be rich and taken care of forever. And this is God's plan too. That someone would die and then destitute, lonely, isolated children or people would then get taken care of, would become stinking rich and have all their problems go away. That's God's plan too. And the person who had to die was Jesus, the true heir of God, the true son of God. He came to the world and he died in such a way that people can come to Jesus and get to become a co-heir with him and get to co-inherit everything Jesus gets. This is the amazing thing about the gospel is that the person who loved us enough to die for us is the same person who loved us enough to come back from death for us, is the same person who loves us enough that he wants to live with us forever, is the same person who loves us enough that he wants to share everything he owns with us forever. Amen? And I'm not just talking about a Coke in Florida. Everything Jesus has, he wants to share with us. Because his dad wanted to share everything with him. And the family culture of heaven is, if you have it, find a way to share it. So I want to kind of start at the end, and let's just take a little picture of what God is working on for us. 
Christian, your destiny is to live forever in the new heavens and the new earth with your adoptive father, the creator of the universe, the head of the Godhead, Pater Hamon, our father, the father himself, our destiny is to dwell with him forever. And I'm just going to read a passage from Revelations where John in this humongous word picture sees the event happening and he sees the renewed heaven and the new earth at like this beautiful city coming down where God and man are going to live forever. And the best part is chapter 4. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. You know, after... A year and three months of COVID, there's a part of everyone, I think, that would say, oh, please, would this earth pass away? It's crap. Some people in a lab on the other side of the planet can be monkeying around with genes, and the next thing you know, this, oh, please, Jesus. Make this stuff pass away for something better. And the sea was no more. And he says, And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, like covered in everything beautiful. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Don't you ever get lonely for God? That feeling of being lonely for God, its days are numbered. Because eternity will not have anyone saying, I feel lonely for God, or I feel distant from God. That feeling has cancer, it is going to die. When God comes back and he tells us, Behold the dwelling of... Sorry... Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And listen to this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. This is your future. This is what the Father is working on for His adopted children. This state where everything wonderful (laughs) is united with all of heaven and everything terrible is wiped away. No more tears. No more death. No more mourning. No more sickness. No more lack. No more hunger. All the food you eat will only be good for you. You No no more overeating, no more undereating, no more gurgly guts, no more colds, no more lockdowns, no more sickness, no more divided over lockdown and sickness. You'll never need a vaccine. People will forget what a vaccine is because there will be no more sickness ever again. And every single moment of every single day and all of the night, except there isn't tonight, will feel like you're getting closer and closer to a God who loves you with everything he He is and is trying to give you. He wants to give you everything. And because God owns everything and because he he can't be stopped from inventing new things, it's going to take forever for him to share everything with you. Sometimes people think, well, I don't want to live forever. We'll run out of stuff to do. I've talked about this before. You don't know God. 
And if Elon Musk can invent like four world-changing technologies, one guy from South Africa, you think he's smarter than God? God can find new stuff for us to do for all of eternity. And everything will be better because our love in God and our love for each other will just keep getting better every single day. That's what he's working on. Operation Adoption. What is the plan? To get so many children adopted so God can bring them into an eternity where there's nothing bad and everything wonderful is there to be enjoyed more and more forever. And he wants to be with them forever. That's the plan. And that's our hope. And that's your hope. And that's my hope. When things are tough and things are terrible and things are discouraging, we need to remember afresh that getting a perfect day for us is not the plan. It can happen. Good days can happen. And praise God when they do. But the plan is to get you to the new heavens and the new earth where there's nothing in between you and God and everything God wants to give you. That's our hope. Not July 1st. July 1st isn't our hope. That's our hope. The great completion of adoption and it comes in stages i was just remembering you know if you've been a part of calvary for a while you walked with jackie and i as we went through our adoption with timmy and one of the strange things about it and i think there was a wisdom but it was still strange is that we had to go twice do do anybody remember that we had to go to bulgaria and stay there and visit timmy every day for a week and spend time with him And then we actually had to like leave the country and come back to Canada. And then from Canada, tell the adoption agency, yes, after meeting him, we still want him. And then they can do more paperwork and get more paper. And then months later, we had to go back and pick him up. And in one sense, this is our life right now. We're in that in-between stage. Christ came to the earth and he, he came and he met with us. And we got to know him. And he revealed himself. And he, the Holy Spirit captured that revelation for us in the stories of the gospel and in the letters of Paul. Now we know who this adoptive father is through Jesus coming to the earth. We know him. And he's coming to reveal himself and to, to meet us in a sense. And he had to go back to heaven for a time. And go back into the throne room. And the father says, yes, now that you've died and you've raised from the dead, do you want them? Jesus says, yes, now that I've met them and now that I see how much they need you, Dad, I paid the price. Let my blood be the price paid to get all of your adoptive children from the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost to the last conversion, wherever it might be, up in Taktiaktak or over in Irkutsk or wherever the last saint converted to Christ by the power of the Spirit is before Christ returns or however your eschatology works. I don't care at the moment. But that last child adopted, Jesus says, yes, I want them. I want to bring them home to you, Father. You gave them to me and I want them. And there will be a day when Christ returns for that second visitation where he swoops in. And nothing's the same again. In the meantime, we wait. In the meantime, we wait. 
as adoptive children who aren't brought home yet with a new identity and a new name. There was this great moment when Jackie and I went on our second trip, which we got, we just, we drove out in one day. We drove from Sofia, which is on one side of Bulgaria, all the way to Burgas, which is one of the greatest names for a city in the world. We drove all the way across the entire country. The guy was flying. It's the fastest I've ever been in a, in a hatchback before. Just like, are we going to die right before we pick him up? We're just flying down the highway. The police probably couldn't even catch up to us. Like, we were going so fast that the radar beams couldn't even hit our vehicle to tell how fast we were. That's a joke. Dad jokes on Father's Day. I'm allowed to do as many as I want. You can't stop me. And we just picked up Timmy. We weren't even in the orphanage for like an hour. We just dropped off these presents and picked him up and we were gone. But there was so much paperwork to do. We had to sign this thing and that thing and get this thing from Canada and that thing from from the Bulgarian government. But there was this moment where we signed these papers and his name was changed. His birth name was Peter, which is great. Now that's his second name. There's some philosophies about name changing. Okay, fine, people can argue about that. But there was this moment when the, when, the, when the ink went on the page after the dollars went through the bank. And he was a different person, legally, with a new name. And, and that's us. We're not home yet, but we are different people. We are adopted by God. And God has a name for us that only he knows right now. But we are not who we used to be. And sorry, this world is not our home. And we are these people that Paul says have not been given the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. That's who we are. We are adopted children who have the spirit of our Father living in us, who have this new name and this new legal identity and exist different, and we cry out to God, not turn your face away from me, for I'm a sinner. Instead, we cry out to Father, Abba, Dad. And we yearn to see Him face to face. We yearn for that day when it's not pictures and visions and words and imaginations or paintings or drawing. Oh, Abba, I'm your daughter. Take me home. I'm your son. Come and get me. This world's a wonderful place, but it's so broken. I want to be with my dad. Paul even goes on later to say, like, our, our, we, 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 the Spirit intercedes for us because we're groaning all the time knowing that the adoption isn't fully completed yet. The biggest part being we still have these wonderful, terrible, sucky bodies that age and break and get sick. And when Jesus comes back, he's going to give us a new body that will never break down. And never wear out. And never get old. And will be able to stand in the presence of holy God without being destroyed or consumed. And you will have eyes so powerful you can behold the face of the holy creator and enjoy it instead of being incinerated. 
And until that day happens, we say, come, Lord Jesus, come, come. You're not done yet. Come. And until Jesus comes, we say, Jesus, go get the rest of the kids that you need to get so you can come back. It's not a clock that we're waiting for. It's the people. It's the people. He'll come back when he's got all the people. God has gifted to Jesus brothers and sisters from every tribe and tongue and nation throughout the world. And until he gets his brothers and sisters, he's not coming back. That's the mission. That's the mission that we're on. That's Operation Adoption. When will Jesus return? When he's got the kids. If Jackie and I had come back from Bulgaria on that second trip with no Timmy, it would be eh, Operation Failure. Like, where's the kid? Year and a half, all this work, all this money, where's the kid? And that's the mission of the church. Get the kids. It's not going to be a mission success until the kids are got. And by kids, I don't necessarily mean children. It's like you can be 95 years old and you're still an adopted kid. But that's the mission and that's the plan. All these children who need the best dad, who need God as their dad. And this... In this life, this gift of the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit that comes to meet us, to convince us that because of our faith in Jesus, we are forgiven of all of our sins, everything we do have done wrong. We get peace with God because he died for our sins. Everything we're ashamed of, that shame is taken away and we get righteousness before God where we can stand and be looked at by God and not shrink back and run away because God's forgiven us and made us righteous. We can stand in His presence in peace. And the spirit of adoption fills us to train us to believe that this is true. This is God's response to the work of the flesh in our lives. Under our sin and in our guilt and in our shame, the power of the flesh convinces us that we are not children. Unworthy to be around God, which is true, apart from Christ. Separated from God, which is true, apart from Christ, but the flesh doesn't want to give us up. The flesh wants to keep us in his evil orphanage where he can abuse us, mistreat us, and train us to be just as wicked as he is. The flesh, this servant of Satan that lives inside of our hearts, makes us broken, wicked, evil, devouring our other orphaned kids that we dwell around, fighting with the other orphans. Flesh is so evil. But the main job of the flesh is it does not want to let us believe that there is a good father that wants to adopt us and that we can have a different life. And the world really needs to hear about this, this adoptive father who wants to love us and forgive us and take care of us. We... In Canada, in North America, in the quote-unquote West, we are living through something that I, I think should be called the great disintegration. 
where for about the last hundred years or so, there's been spiritual forces expressed through social and political forces that want to disintegrate everything. One of the great spiritual fathers of this disintegration is a guy named Karl Marx, wrote the Communist Manifesto. And if you read just the first few lines of this book, you understand the driving ideologies of the age. He says, the history of the world is the history of people groups. And one is the oppressor and the other is the oppressed. And it is the destiny of the oppressed to war against the oppressor and either overcome it or ensure mutual destruction. This is a rough quote, but it's fairly close. Reinterpreted into layman's terms, he said, all of existence is warfare between the oppressed and the oppressor, and it's the oppressed's job to destroy the oppressor or make sure they're both destroyed. And his thoughts became adopted in the realm of economics, in the realm of politics, in the realm of uh, sexual relations, in the realm of race relations. His thoughts have been adopted. Are they the main thoughts that most of the world works with right now? There's the oppressed and there's the oppressor and it is life and death struggle to destroy each other. And as these ideologies have been working into our culture and our society, it has produced more disintegration between people than you would think is imaginable. So that the regular person's life is something like to have mostly divorce in your families so that the husband and wife are disintegrated and the family's disintegrated. To have a regular abortion in your culture so that about 20% of all conceptions are ended at abortion. So that Speaking of fathers, 20% of all fathers every year never get to see their kids because in our heads we don't even see that children are conceived by a father. There's a huge wave of race disintegration, especially through the critical race theory that believes that your skin color is the immutable reality of each person and different skin colors cannot get along. It's just power. It's just power. And one color is going to destroy another color, but they cannot be unified. Sexual expressions can't be unified. It's just, you know, one sex identity versus another one, and they have to fight because the one that's being oppressed the most needs to fight and overcome the ones that are the oppressors. And it's not even like a heterosexual versus other thing right now. Right now, apparently, there's this big war between the bisexuals and the pansexuals. Because it's the whole point of existing right now is to be disintegrated. And it's because, in my humble opinion, we distrust fatherhood and we cannot believe that there is a Father in heaven who can unite us all together in love. We distrust fatherhood and we cannot believe that there is a Spirit in heaven who can adopt children of every single color and from hundreds, if not thousands, of different cultures, and love them all equally, and convince them to see each other as equal brothers and sisters, 
equally fallen, equally sinful, equally guilty, equally shameful, yet in Christ, equally loved and equally forgiven and equally righteous and equally able to contribute towards the mission of Operation Adoption. We don't believe it. We don't believe that men and women can really be equally loved and work together in the ways God wants us to according to his word. We distrust each other. We fear each other. We fall into the spirit of slavery, which is controlled by the flesh. And ultimately, it is the belief that I cannot trust my Father in heaven. I would rather be an orphan. And so here we are. We we know the truth. No one gets saved by disintegration. We get saved by a self-sacrificial Savior who came down from heaven to share with us his sonship. Sorry, ladies. (laughs) If you care, I hope you don't. You're a son. Why? Because there's nothing better than being a son. So you get the best. You get sonship in Christ because that's Because you're united with the Son. Amen? Nothing but the best for the children of God. So you get sonship. And out of that sonship, we are empowered to suffer with Christ. That's the one line. If there's one offensive line here, it's provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. But we've got to say yes to the suffering because dad wants probably tens of millions, maybe hundreds of millions, possibly billions of more children. And the only way the kids are going to come home is if we go get them. The only way we'll go get them is if we really know that the spirit speaking in our hearts that says Abba is your father is the truth and everything else is not the truth. And out of that, knowing that Abba is our Father, we walk in the power and the freedom of God, not falling back into slavery through fear. And we work on our mission and we do our part, whatever our part is. Amen? So I'm going to pray. Team can come up. Father, would you... Would you help us, Lord? I think we think we know you better than we do. Would you convince us deep in our hearts how you've been what we've always been wanting and looking for and how we really do have you through Jesus? I pray, Father, that your profound ability to forgive people who sin against you all the time that you would graciously grant us to be able to forgive like you do. Father, your gracious ability to be so generous, even with people who hate you right down to the depths of their soul, would you grant us that ability to be so generous too like you are? Father, your willingness to to give your heart in Christ and to really even hand over your Son to the mission of God, would you be willing to 
Would you help us to be willing to hand over our best to the mission of, of God, to Operation Adoption? Father, would you fill us with the confidence that anybody can become part of the family and part of the joy of the family of God and the delight of the family of God. Lord, would you fill us up, not even with a desire for equality, which sounds so technical and political, but with a heart that delights in adoptive children from all over the world. That would be just our joy. Would you help us to remember that we're adoptive children? We don't deserve what we've got. You sought us out and you changed everything for us. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to be as humble as you are, as lowly as Christ. Help us to be grateful for everything you do. Help us to love your fatherhood and welcome your expressions of it. And I pray, Father, that that you would just fill us up full of so much love for children and for people who might become your children by the power of God. Amen.